Matt. Hi. Welcome to the CJB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, Blue Bomber fullback and special teamer John Rush stops by to talk a little football, but a lot about his dog, Bone. It is an enormous dog if you can check out his social media feeds. Bone is big, and John loves Bone, so it's a great conversation. Also, Darren Ritchie, the new general manager of the Brandon Wheat King, stops by to talk about his new role with the team. And Jared Ladderbrook of Golf Manitoba previews the Open Championship. That's on the podcast. And in just over 48 hours' time, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are hosting the Ottawa Red Blacks. And joining me now to help preview that game, among other things, is John Rush, fullback for the Blue Bombers. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. How have you enjoyed the season so far? I mean, it's, it's been pretty amazing so far. 4-0 feels, uh, feels pretty good, that's for sure. I know you were bragging a bit online about how you crossed the goal line before Lucky Whitehead on his kick return touchdown last game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, <clears throat> I wasn't calling him out or anything. I was just kind of, you know, stating a fact. Just, you know, if Coach ever wants to throw me in at returner, uh, who knows? Who knows, right? Okay, so uh, just your role on the team, mostly special teams. Are you uh, are you enjoying that role? Yeah, no, for sure. I love playing special teams. It's a really critical part of the part of the game, especially in Canadian football, with how much punting and you know, returning the kickoffs and all the rouges. They're so important to the game that it's it's really awesome to be a part of, and especially for a team like Winnipeg who really values special teams like that. And I asked this about Thomas Miles last week, but jo- Justin Medlock talks about having dogs on special teams. Are you one of his dogs? I, I mean, I hope I'm one of his dogs. I try, uh, try to get in jail to be one of his dogs, but you know, he's pretty peculiar about who, who his dogs are. So I think that's a, a question for him. Well, we'll get back to football in a moment, but speaking of yeah. dogs, I've had you on the show before to talk about your dog, yeah. Bone. How is Bone? Yeah. Bone's amazing. He's actually lying next to me right now on the patio. He's uh, he's enjoying the nice weather, that's for sure. And he's really uh, adjusted to the Winnipeg life, which is which is great to see. When did uh, Bone come out here to Winnipeg? Uh, my dad drove him out um, just after week one. You know, I couldn't obviously have him during training camp because we're doing, you know, 16, 18 hour days during training camp. So it wouldn't be fair to him. So my parents took care of him during training camp. And then after week one, my dad drove him out. And so he's been out here for almost a month long and enjoying his time. How much did you miss him? Oh, it was, it was pretty, it was, it was nice knowing that he was with my parents and they were taking good care of him, getting uh, pretty frequent updates. Uh, my mom would send, saw, uh, send me a daily pup date every day, send me a picture, tell me how he's doing. So that made it a little bit easier, but it was, uh, it was pretty hard being away from him for a whole month. That's for sure. Has he gotten bigger since uh, we last talked? Yeah, yeah, he's about 140 pounds now, and the vet, the vet's saying he'll probably be uh, about 10 more pounds. And how old is he? So, he's just over a year old. He's about a year and a couple months. Does he act like a puppy still? Because that is an enormous puppy if he does. Yeah, no, he does. He still has that like puppy energy and like jumps around and plays, and and it's really hilarious to see because <laughs> he's so massive, but like he just loves playing and being with other dogs and kind of does that whole like jumps up and jumps over and all that stuff that puppies do and it's really funny to see. does he give you any space on the bed no no none absolutely zero it's it is his bed and he lets me know it is his bed he will not let me like claim any position on that bed 
Who eats more, you or Bone? Uh, <laughs> that's a great question. I, I actually do eat a ton of food, but I think Bone might take the cake and over six cups of food a day. So it's uh, it's quite a bit. Do you uh, take him out to, I guess, how do, what do you do on off days with Bone? On off days, I, I take him to dog parks. I take him, there's, I live in Bridgewater, so there's a bunch of splash pads around. So he loves going to the splash pads and kind of just watching the water go up and down and running through it and stuff like that. So I try and take him out and as, to see as much as Winnipeg as possible. Okay. And uh, I guess when you're at the field, he's just chilling at home? Yeah, no, he he's a he's a really big napper. Yeah, okay. I'm quite jealous of him actually. Like he he, I'll take him for you know twenty thirty minute walk in the morning, and then I'll go go to practice, and he'll nap for the next you know six to eight hours. So it's pretty it's a pretty good life. Is there any chance Bone will ever make it to a game? I'm, uh, you know what, we're actually working on something right now to get Bone out for all the fans to meet him and stuff like that. It, I've had a lot of people message me asking when they can meet him and stuff like that. So. He's, he's super chill. He doesn't care about noises at all, so he'd be good in the environment. So we're working with the team right now to see if we can uh, work on something. Well, I'm the sideline reporter for the home game, so if he's if he wants to join me down there, I'm, I'm fully open for that. You know what? That's not a bad idea. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Also on your Twitter account, which is uh, John and Bone, at JohnRush32, yeah. uh, you uh, helped out with the uh, Blue Bombers Women's Clinic recently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday we had uh, the women's clinic and, you know, a bunch of uh, season ticket holders uh, that are obviously women came in and, and learned about football. We got to, you know, meet meet some of the season ticket holders and teach them a little bit about football and what we do and just kind of foster that connection. And it was, uh, it was a really fun and amazing experience. And uh, I mentioned that you're vegan. Any new recipes to try out? Uh, I... <laughs> I have a bunch of uh, tofu recipes that I'm I'm trying to still trying to perfect right now, so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you about those yet. But okay. if you want an oatmeal recipe, you gotta try oatmeal with peanut butter and jelly. Oh. I am telling you, it will change your life. It okay. is the best thing. It seems so simple, but like no one ever does it, and it's just so good. So that the oatmeal's heated up first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta you make the oatmeal like however you would make oatmeal. Just right. make the oatmeal like normal, and then after that, throw in a couple of scoops of peanut butter, some jelly, you know, whatever jelly you like. I like strawberry, but you know, some people like grape, and and just like mix that all around, and it's a complete game changer. Mm. And it's kind of healthy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for the you know, <laughs> if, if you get the all natural peanut butter, you're better off. But. Right. Of course. No, you got to treat yourself every once in a while. Very good point. Very good point. So uh, we'll finish on a football note since this is a sports show, allegedly. Yeah, sure. uh, yeah. <laughs> looking at Ottawa, is it, yeah. what is, how does the preparation change when you're taking on a team that you just played two weeks ago? Or does it change? I mean, for especially for me personally, I try not to change anything, especially when it's a team you've beat. You don't want to change too much, right? So for me, I just do the same thing. I, I make sure I watch my film. I make sure I study up on my opponent and they've played, they've played some games since us. Right. So there's always more film to watch. There's always more things you can learn about them and, you know, little, little cues you can pick up on, especially now that they've had, um, they've had some um, lineup changes too, right? They're starting a different quarterback. They've had some injuries. So you got to figure out who these new people are and go back and watch all that film on these people. Right. So, 
it's we try not to change you know anything really it's kind of just you know we take it one week at a time it's the next place it's whoever is who we're going against so if if you kind of take it lots of days ago and you're like oh like already we already did the film work for this then all of a sudden it's a completely new person in or they change their system then it you can be in a really terrible position right so we try not change to change anything and looking at that last Ottawa game one of the more unique special teams plays you'll ever see happen in that game where Justin Medlock knocked a ball out of bounds deep in Ottawa territory. What was that moment like as a special teamer? Yeah, no, it was, it was really awesome to see. Cause you, sometimes you see on film, like a kicker will go and try and do it and stuff like that. And it never really works out, but to see, to see Justin have just like the savviness and knowing that, that he was in the right position to like take this shot and do it and then execute it as well was really awesome to watch. Well, John, I appreciate your time tonight. Good luck on Friday and say hi to Bone for us. Yeah, no, for sure. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Almost 30 years ago, Minidosa's Darren Ritchie suited up for the first time as a member of the Brandon Wheat Kings. And flash forward to last week, where the now 45-year-old was named general manager of the Wheaties. Darren joins me now on the CGOB Sports Show. Congrats on the job, Darren. How does it feel to take over the team you played for? Uh, real excited. I'm uh, I'm a proud to, to be a weeking. I always have been since uh, I first played in '91, and uh, you know I've been fortunate enough to be part of this organization for 16 years. So uh, I take a lot of pride in uh, being a weeking. Growing up in Minnedosa, is this something where, when you were a kid, you thought I want to play for the Wheat Kings? Well, I think it's uh, every Manitoba kid uh, wants to play for the Wheat Kings. Maybe now it might change a bit with the ice in, uh, in our league, but you know with uh, growing up, that's what we knew for the Western Hockey League was the Brandon Wheat Kings, and uh, it was always uh, I always wanted to be a Wheat King, and unfortunately, uh, you know, I've I was lucky enough to be one. And now to to become general manager, uh, kind of outline for people that may not know the the journey you've taken from playing hockey to now being in the front office of the Wheat Kings. Well, I played uh, four years for the Wheat Kings, then went over and played pro hockey. Most of my time, I played pro in uh, Germany and then came back and started with the weekings as an assistant coach, a part-time assistant coach in uh, 07. I uh, was an assistant coach for nine years with the team, uh, moved on to full-time assistant coach probably for the last six years and then moved into the director of scouting department for the last three years and really enjoyed uh, all that. So I feel like it's uh, really helped me uh, develop into a better hockey person and now uh, to be named general manager uh, has been real exciting. So when your playing days were done, did you know that you wanted to continue in the hockey life to be still a part of the game? Uh, no. Uh, when I was retired, when I was 30, I didn't know what what I wanted to do. Uh, I became a mail carrier uh, for six years. And then actually uh, Mark Johnson, who was my assistant coach when I played for the Weekings, was uh, an assistant with the midget program with Craig Anderson. And they invited me uh, to become assistant coach with them. Uh, we went on to win uh, the league that year. And then the very next year, Kelly brought me in as a part-time uh, coach with the team, with the Weekings. And, uh, you know, I've been with the organization ever ever since. How is being a mail carrier compared to being a, a hockey player and a hockey coach? <laughs> well, it's... Uh, you got a uh, you know a lot of work. You're you're moving a lot. I, I quite enjoyed uh, being out on the street and in, 
outside and uh, you know you get to talk to people and yeah you, it's uh, just no like any other job you get out there you do your work and uh, have a smile on your face obviously you spend a lot of time on the ice but what was being a mail carrier like in the Manitoba winter uh, it was cold it was cold <laughs> yeah, that's for sure and uh, but uh, you know in Manitoba you can always dress for it so I've always felt like it was uh, uh, it was fine. I quite I quite enjoyed it. Okay. So looking now at uh, the the role you have ahead, what's your first task as general manager of the Wheat Kings? Well, we need to get a, ho- a head coach, and uh, we should be uh, naming one here shortly. We've been uh, had good talks, and then uh, I need to replace myself as director of scouting. We'll be uh, the second on our list of things to do, and then. Uh, we also need a athletic therapist as well as uh, our our therapist RJ Cassidy is moving on to the American League. So we uh, we got a busy head a busy summer ahead of us for sure. And in terms of the the team that you're going to be icing in the fall, any big changes in store this summer? Uh, I don't think there'll be uh, nothing planned. Uh, we wanted everybody to come back that we had on our team. And, uh, you know, we'll have a new coach, so everybody's going to have a fresh start. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Uh, we're excited about this year. And, uh, we're, you know, our players know that there's a lot of work to do uh, to get the season going. How does it change your preparation for the season and maybe just hockey in general in Manitoba now that there is a second WHL team, the Winnipeg Ice, coming into play? Well, I, I've, uh, you know, I'm probably looking at our, our roster more than I would have as a director of scouting where I was more uh, getting our prospects ready, prepared to come to camp. Now I'm doing uh, both getting prospects and our, our players ready for camp and telling them what we expect uh, going into camp. Uh, I think it's uh, really good that the Winnipeg Ice uh, are in our league. I think it's going to be you know a great rivalry right off the bat for our team, uh, good travel, and uh, you know it's only can help our league to have another big city uh, in our league, and it'll help uh, you know everybody uh, in our league. Yeah, just explain the one of those points there, the scheduling. For the Wheat Kings, travel was always a big deal because you're the easternmost team. There's no one within, really, th- four hours of the city of Brandon, and now you have a nice percentage of your schedule. It's just a couple hours up Highway 1. So how, how does that change now, uh, how you look at the season in terms of the travel schedule? Well, I don't think I've never thought the travel was hard, I, and I don't think our players do. And it's uh, funny you get on the bus, you're with your teammates, you're always uh, bonding. Uh, it's a great bonding time. You know, I'm still uh, very good friends with the guys I played with. Uh, we have a great bus. Uh, this will help uh, for sure. You know, this is five road easy, not easy road trips, but five two-hour trips that we have into Winnipeg, and it's uh, you know. Instead of going to Swift Current, where it is five and a half hours to get to, this is a this is a big difference. We'll have our guys back in their houses by one o'clock after playing a game in Winnipeg instead of being home at five in the morning playing in Swift Current. So that that'll help our team uh, going forward. But it sounds like, from what you're saying, I'm making more of a deal out of it than you guys are, just because of how, maybe it's just a lot easier to pass the time when you're with your friends. Yeah, I think our guys, I don't think our guys ever bat an eyelash about it. I think they just, they get on the bus, they know uh, we're going three and a half hours to Regina or four to Moose Jaw. They don't, uh, they don't think it as a long trip at all. They just, uh, you know, they're excited to get on the bus with their teammates. 
from your perspective, how important is it? You know, you've been with this team for a long time now, so everyone involved in the organization, they have familiarity with you. They're not hiring someone from outside that may not know the team as well. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, I'm, I have family here. I've been living here ever since I turned uh, 19 years old. I met my wife here, and uh, this is home now for us. And I think that's a lot easier. People can, uh, you know, they know who I am in, in, when I'm out shopping or in around town. So I think that'll help our fan base and, and our players. I've coached, uh, you know, a fair bit of them. I've scouted most of them as well and drafted. So our players will be very familiar with me as well, which is going to help with the transition. Well, Darren, I appreciate you joining me tonight. Uh, good luck through the summer and your hiring processes, and best of luck in the upcoming season as well. Thanks for having me, Chris. We're joined now by Jared Ladderbrook of Golf Manitoba. Jared, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Yourself, Christian? Good. How have you? What have you thought of the amateur championship through three rounds uh, down there at Corey Oaks? Oh, it's been great. Uh, uh, the, the competition has been fantastic. The golf course uh, has been as well, and uh, it's a great test of golf out of Quarry. And we've been uh, we've been uh, fortunate to see some great play over the last few days. So, looking forward to uh, a great finish tomorrow. We've got a tight leaderboard, and I think it'll be a, a great end to uh, uh, to our championship. Does the field size of about eighty golfers concern you at all? Um. Obviously, we'd like to see more, but it's 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 been a trend that's been creeping in for the last number of years in our in our championships. Um, but uh, the core of of good golf is still there, which is encouraging. We've got some great players at the top of the leaderboard, and uh, um, you know, so that that's encouraging uh, for the most part. But you know, it's uh, it's something that's being felt uh, down south and and uh, in our country as well. So. Um, this just could be an ebb, ebb and flow and things, and uh, but nonetheless, very very positive to see the the fine play that we have, and uh, it's going to be another great championship. Is this just fewer people are golfing now? Uh, I mean, I don't think that's the case. I I I think um, you know back when I played, we we had we had bigger field sizes. I think competitive golf was perhaps maybe at the forefront of people's to do list in the summer. Um, maybe golf has just has become, I mean, if you go into a golf course these days, it's not uncommon to see people playing with, uh, with Bluetooth speakers in their carts. Uh, we're getting a different generation of golfers come through and perhaps their, their golf is more, more about leisure and active living and, uh, and being outside and, and maybe competition is, is secondary. So, um, it's, uh, it's definitely a trend that we're taking note of. Um, you know, the alarm bells aren't going off yet, but, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think we're still encouraged by the fact, like I said, we've we've got some great competition out there, and uh, it's going to be a good finish. And it'll be a great competition overseas, starting at twelve uh, thirty a.m. our time, the first tee time at the right. Open Championship at Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland. Darren Clark, local fan favorite, will be t- part of that first pairing. A lot of big names going off when we're going to be sleeping. Phil Mickelson at one fifty two a.m. Canadians, yeah. Austin Connolly, Corey Connors uh, just before 4 o'clock in the morning, Adam Hadwin at yeah. 7.30 in the morning, and then Tiger Woods, part of the 9.10 a.m. tea time, our time. But the question has to be asked. Brooks Kepka has been so dang good the last couple of years. Does he have a chance to win in Europe? Um, I, that's where he cut his teeth, out in the European Challenge Tour. So, He's played a lot of golf over there. Uh, he's got to be comfortable in that environment. And, 
you know, it's uh, he's he's just he's brimming with confidence right now. So uh, he's definitely someone to watch. Um, what a great field they have, and uh, I, I love. If you look at the tea times, they span from 6.30 in the morning local till I believe, just after 4. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you know, depending on where you are in the draw, you can get a completely different golf course from the morning to the afternoon. So um, that's what makes the Open so unique and so entertaining to watch. Um, and also fun because, if, you know, you rise and shine first thing in the morning here and you get some great golf on TV. So always a treat on that and to be able to be able to watch that first thing in the morning. Yeah, 12.30 a.m. our time is the first threesome, yeah. I should say, not pairing threesome. They're all going yeah. out in threes. And then 10.36 a.m. our time is the final threesome. So you have 10 hours yeah. of tea times. <laughs> yeah. And the weather on the coast there could just be so volatile. You're right. You could have sunny and gorgeous going out early. And then by the time the late golfers go out, it could be swirling winds and rain. Oh, Definitely. You have to pack uh, accordingly. Um, you know, you got to have your, your, your proper gear, but uh, you can see a player in the morning in, uh, in short sleeves and in full rain gear by the end of the day. So, um, you know, they have to be prepared for that and the wind can shift around. Um, and it's links golf. It's, uh, it's a totally different game uh, to be played. Um, and uh, it's going to challenge uh, even the best that are out there. For those unfamiliar with the course, how would you describe Royal Portrush? You know, I'm not too familiar with it. It's been out of the rotation. I believe the last time they had the Open Championship there was 51. Uh, the golf course was deemed too small. Uh, obviously, there was some uh, political unrest in that part of the region for a number of years, which, which kept it away. But um, I know they've uh, they've done a lot of work to it. I believe it stretches out to 7,300 yards now, and uh, they've uh, eliminated some holes and they've added some new ones. That there's there's two there's two courses there, so they. Uh, they uh, they crept into the uh, into the shorter course and to, to find some space for I believe the new 17th and 18th hole. So um, it's going to be a, a great championship. And uh, I, from what I understand, they're sold out. Uh, there's no walk up tickets available for this championship. So it's going to be a great atmosphere, and and you're going to have some hometown boys uh, in the crowd or on the uh, uh, on the course as well, so there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of patriotism and a lot of rooting for 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 the local Irish players. Well, and perhaps the most famous of that is Rory McIlroy, who goes off at 4:09 a.m. our time. Yeah. Is there a pr- pressure on him being p- playing this in this home country? Um, if he says there isn't, I, I, I he might be lying a little bit. There there would have to be. Um, anytime a, a you know a, a, an athlete is playing on home home turf, there's got to be that just you know that added pressure to want to succeed, to maybe want it a little more than than than, than you might uh, otherwise. But um, you know he holds, holds the course record there, shot 61 when he was a 16 year old. So obviously he's played quite a bit of golf there, and he, he knows it well. And uh, he's going to have uh, you know what, what would be equivalent of the, maybe the Jets playing at home, right? You've got the crowd behind you, and he's going to have a lot of people rooting for him there. So um, he'd be definitely a player to watch this week. And he's going out with the U.S. Open champion Gary Woodland just after four o'clock in the morning our time. Brooks Kepka, by the way, goes after just after seven o'clock. And we couldn't talk about golf without talking about Tiger Woods, who won the Masters and hasn't really played a whole lot since. Do we have really any expectations for him this week? Well, uh, I believe the last two times we spoke about the PGA and the U.S. Open, I said you can't count him out, and uh, he hasn't really come through. But yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely he's uh, he's he's not playing a, a whole lot of golf, uh, at least uh, competitively. So I mean, that puts even more pressure on him him to perform. 
But uh, I mean, he's he's won this event a number of times. He's you know he he, he plays well on links golf courses. You you just you can't count him out. You have to you have to watch him, and we'll see what he does the first few days. That weather, um, I think, believe when he played in Pebble, they had uh, you know they had some cool days and some overcast, and and I don't think that uh, that was very good for his body. Um, you know, he's getting old, and the aches and pains are perhaps exacerbated a little bit by the weather. So we'll see what the weather does for him. And but it'd be nice to see him up there because uh, people love watching him play. People love seeing him on top of the leaderboard, and it makes for an, an entertaining championship. I mentioned Connolly, Connors, and uh, Hadwin, the Canadians out there. Who do you think has the best chance to show out of those three? Is it Hadwin? Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely had, uh, you know, he's, he's been a very consistent player over the past few years. Um He's got a nice game. Um, you know, it's nice to see Canadians in the field, and um, you know that, that's a that's a tough one to you know to to to, to determine who's going to play the best of the group. But um, you know, uh, I'm sh- I'm sure they'll do fine, and uh, be nice to see them uh, on that first page come Sunday. And really, the the ultimate part of the Open Championship that makes it so appealing is that it's just so different from most of the golf we're used to watching, right? It is. I mean, if you look, when you see those, uh, you know, those crane shots of the golf course, you know, for, for someone who's used to just golf uh, over uh, in North America, they might say that, you know, the golf course looks dead or, 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 you know, what's wrong with it. I mean, it gets burnt out. It gets, uh, you know, you've got, a, you've got a, it's, they're not, you know, well manicured and, you know, they don't uh, neatly edged bunkers and well-defined tee boxes. It's, it's really part of the environment. And I think that's what makes it so unique is the golf course is, uh, is really symbiotic with its surroundings. And I think this golf course is, is cut out of, uh, you know, some seaside area and, and uh, there's some up and down to it. So that's what makes it interesting. It's um, you gotta, you gotta learn how to play a variety of different shots. You gotta keep the ball low. You gotta avoid bunkers at all costs out there and you have to putt well. Um, so a much different game where here, you know, here in North America, a lot of golf courses are sort of the bomb and gouge. You hit it, hit it as far as you can and then hit a high towering wedge in there and you make your putt and you go on. And it's definitely not the case there. You can't, uh, you can't flight the ball as high as you do over here. And, and, um, you know, so it's going to be a real, a real test power certainly obviously is, is, uh, is an advantage. Uh, but at the same time, it's how you play the golf course. that's really going to, uh, going to shine through at the end. Having said all that, can you leave me with a pick? Oof. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick McElroy. I, I, that's Ooh. a safe pick, um, but uh, he's he's the hometown guy. Yeah, he holds the course record there. Um, there's just something about you know when you when you when you have have, have success on a golf course, um, you know you just that that's that's almost a 15th club in the bag. You just you're comfortable there. Um, you know, it's, he's essentially playing at home from what I understand. It's, uh, you know, so he's very familiar with that. He's going to have a lot of people behind him. And, um, you know, I, I, I think he might be my choice for the week. Well, Jared, I appreciate your time as always and enjoy the final round of the Manitoba men's amateur tomorrow. Thank you very much, Christian. As always appreciate, uh, having a chance to talk golf. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?